Sorry, I have to turn my mic on. There we go. Steve, I apologize. All that time, and I still didn't turn my mic on. Hey, uh, before we dive into the message this morning, it's going to be a standalone message because of the holiday weekend. I didn't want to start a new series until after Labor Day. Just want to share with you a couple praises. Uh, The women's Bible study that starts this Thursday, they are just shy of 70 women signed up for that Bible study. So we are praising the Lord for that. Yeah. And I keep telling Marsha, you're going to have 70 plus because there's going to be women who show up Thursday who haven't even signed up yet. So it's going to be a great semester. If you are here, a gal, you'd like to know more about that, please go out and talk to Marsha at the women's table after the, uh, after the service is over. Second praise. I shared with you several weeks ago that my goal for the couples getaway this year was 30 couples. We have 31 couples signed up for the marriage getaway this this year. Yeah, we are really thrilled about that. So a lot of great stuff. And then again, this coming week, uh, again, a a big week as we sort of get started into our our fall. Uh, The women's Bible study starts Thursday. But don't forget, too, Tuesday night over in the cafeteria, we start a new fall series on, uh, and on Bible study on Tuesday night out of the Gospel of John, and I'm very much looking forward to that. We are going to look at the wonder of Jesus Christ on Tuesday nights, and I think it'll be a great encouragement to you. So a lot of great stuff. I'll be sharing some other announcements with you at the end of the service. So let me share this. Many of you who know me know that I plan and study months ahead for my messages. And so I had planned that this was going to be a standalone message. I wasn't going to start a new series until next Sunday for the fall. And so I had planned on doing all along for months a particular psalm. Well, this past week, God intervened. And God said, Jeff, I want you to change your message for Sunday. I want you to preach out of the book of Habakkuk. So we are going to be in the book of Habakkuk. I just love to say his name, Habakkuk. Now, for those of you that may not know where in the world Habakkuk is in the Bible, here's the easiest way to get there. Find the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, and then go left a few books. You'll, go, you'll find Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Then right to the left of that will be Zechariah. Then right to the left of that will be Haggai, then right to the left of that will be Zephaniah, and then right before Zephaniah is the book of Habakkuk. I believe that God wants to transport all of us today back over 3,000 years ago and really to become a part of what the message of Habakkuk is all about. Because one of the, the great wonders of this book, the Bible, being God's word, is it's always relevant down throughout history. And what we're going to find today is that a message through a prophet to the nation of Judah over 3,000 years ago could be a message that comes from someone from God today to God's people today, even living in America some 3,000 years later. That's how relevant this message is. One of the uniquenesses of the book of Habakkuk is it is the only book in the Bible 
that is basically a conversation between God and one other person. In this case, Habakkuk. There's no other book like that in the Word of God. To set this book in historical context, uh, Habakkuk was the very last prophet after years of God sending prophets to the nation of Judah. Habakkuk would be the last prophet that God would send to the nation of Judah before the Babylonians came and basically overran the nation and would take them into exile. And let's remember why they were going into exile. They were going into exile because even though they were the people of God and had enjoyed all the the privileges of being the people of God down through the ages, they had gotten into a point in history, in their history, where they had turned their backs on God and had become idol worshipers. And they had forsaken the living God for years. And he kept sending prophet after prophet saying, look, I need to do something here because I am not going to just let you continue down this road. You are not only destroying yourself and your own nation is crumbling from within, but you are no longer at all a light to the other nations of the world. And so I need to do something. And so as you come to the book of Habakkuk, you can basically divide this out into the three chapters that occurs here. And, and your guys, I already know some of you going, he's going to go through three chapters? No, I'm not. We're going to swim pretty quickly through the first couple of chapters just to give you an idea of what's occurring in those chapters because I want to get, and I think God wants me to get, to sort of the climax of it in chapter 3. And here's what we find in this book. We find in chapter 1 that Habakkuk the prophet is wrestling with God. Okay? In chapter 2, he is watching for God. And we're going to learn about what does that really mean. And finally, in chapter 3, even though he, he says this is a prayer of his to God, really, chapter 3 is all about worshiping God. So we go from wrestling with God to watching for God to worshiping God in these three chapters. And in, in a sense, in an overview, one of the things that we discover here, and we discover in our own lives, is this. When you and I have a personal encounter with God, we change. We are changed when we meet with God. We are no longer the same. And even though our circumstances do not change, we change. In fact, what you're going to learn here, if you do not know the message of Habakkuk, is that actually not only are Habakkuk's circumstances not going to change, not only is the nation of Judah's circumstances not going to change, they're actually going to get worse because the Babylonians haven't come yet. And so we're going to see how this progresses through this great book. And I hope that maybe... Uh, dipping our toe a little bit into this book will encourage you to study this book and look at it for yourself because it's a fascinating book in the Word of God. Chapter 1, Habakkuk is wrestling with God. Again, I don't want to take the time to go through it all, but you'll notice like in verse 2, he says, Lord, how long must I cry to you because I'm looking around at my own nation? The nation that was once a godly nation. And all I see is violence, he says in verse 2. 
He says in verse 3, all I see is injustice in verse 3. All I see in verse 3 is destruction and violence, havoc, ruin, and devastation. He is portraying a nation that is crumbling from within, a nation of cruelty, a nation of uh, corruption from the very highest levels of the nation all the way down to the most common people. He says, we are crumbling from within. God, when will you do something? When, when will you, you know, shake this nation back to you? So, the Lord begins to talk in verse 5. And he says, oh, pay attention, Habakkuk. I'm going to do something that's so shocking and amazing. He says, you're not even going to believe it, even though I have forewarned you. Because here's the key in verse 6. I am about to empower the Babylonians, that ruthless and greedy nation. And the Babylonians are going to be God's instrument of judgment, of correction, of purging the nation, of purifying the nation, and bringing them back to God. Habakkuk's response, if you go over to verse 12 of chapter 1, is, Really? Notice what he says. Lord, you have made them your instrument of judgment. Protector, you have appointed them as your instrument of punishment. You've got to be kidding me. The Babylonians? I hate the Babylonians, Habakkuk said. And, and Habakkuk basically says, God, if anybody on the face of the earth is in worse condition than us, it's them. How can you use a nation who's worse off than us to be your instrument of justice and judgment and correction in our lives? We all can identify with Habakkuk because we've been at times in our life where the God, you got to do something about so-and-so or such-and-such. And then God says, here's what I'm going to do. We go, no, anything but that. Because many times, even though we cry out to God to intervene and help and change things, we don't like God's answer when he finally says, this is what I'm going to do. Because somehow we think that we know better than God. And so, again, you see Habakkuk here wrestling with God. He said, God, I wanted you to do something in our nation to bring us back. I wanted to get rid of all the violence and cruelty and corruption that I see. You had to pick the Babylonians? Come on, God. So in chapter 2, we see this prophet of God going from wrestling with God to watching for God. In fact, he even says this at the beginning of chapter. He says, I will stand at my watch post. I will remain stationed on the city wall. I'll keep watching so that I can see what he says to me. And really the idea of watching is to focus on God, which is really important. And what God is going to say. Again, he's not focused on all the trouble now in the nation anymore. He's not focused on this unpleasant news that he gets from God about how God's going to change things. Now his focus is just, okay, God, I'm going from wrestling with you to watching for you, and I'm just going to focus on you. And in the midst of that, because he knows that the prophet's heart now 
is to get his eyes off of everything else and to get them on him, which is an important step, God says, now I'm going to give you some revelation to focus on. So in verse 2 of chapter 2, the Lord responds and he tells Habakkuk, I want you to write down a message. I want you to record it on, uh, legibly on tablets so that the one who announces it to the nation of Judah may read it easily. For the message is a witness to what is dis- decreed. And this message from me, because it is from me, gives reliable testimony about how matters will turn out. The words reliable testimony in the Hebrew means that what God is about to say in this message as the prophet is watching is firm, it is reliable, it is dependable because God cannot lie and it will not disappoint the one who puts their trust in what God's word says. That's why this is so important. That's why God wants to make sure, first of all, that our hearts are towards him and focused on him. And when that happens, God will begin to reveal things to us because he knows that hopefully our faith will not be in our circumstances and all the things going on around us. But our faith will be in his very reliable, dependable word. And because God cannot lie, we will not be disappointed if we put our trust in that. It's a message we all need to hear today. We look around at the world today. I mean, even even right now, folks, I I hope you realize we are we are living prophecy right now. I mean, Egypt, Syria, this whole mess and all of that with our country. I'm telling you, folks. For folks that don't know the word of God, they are clueless to what's really going on. You know, all they know is, well, there's, you know, yeah, just like the Middle East always is, there's always a powder keg. There's always trouble over there. And, and, and the nations of the world's focus is always in that place. But beyond that, they don't really know what's being set up and how all this plays in to prophecy that God has already revealed in his word. But The point that I want to make and the point we see here, even in this book, is this. Even as Christians, many times we think, man, this world is so stable. And can I say the world's economy, not stable. See, if if your stability and security is in the world and governments and United Nations and Wall Street and all of this, you're going to continue to be very much disappointed and frustrated as we move through history. Because one of the things that God's going to point out here to Habakkuk thousands of years ago, and one of the things he's pointing out to even us that's very relevant today is, apart from God, we live in an absolutely fragile world. And the only thing that keeps any of this together and stabilizes it at all and sustains it at all is God himself. And we better wake up even as Christians and realize that. That's why we better quit duping ourselves into thinking somehow that there's any ground that's not sinking other than ground that's founded on Jesus Christ, the rock. 
And that's exactly what Habakkuk was being reminded of in this message that God was saying. Because notice, God says to him in verse 3, even if the message is not fulfilled right away, wait patiently. My word will be fulfilled because I cannot lie. And it's very interesting here. The words wait patiently in the Hebrew literally mean to be engraved, inscribed, pierced is what it really means. In other words, God is saying the way you and I watch for him, in a sense, wait for him, is to let his word be engraved and inscribed and pierce our hearts and lives. Because it is only his word that is going to bring stability in a very unstable environment that we find ourselves in. And anyone who tries to find stability and security in anything other than what God has said either is happening or will happen is just fooling themselves. And they will be devastated one day and frustrated and disappointed. And so that's what God is saying. The prophet was wrestling with God in chapter 1, but now he comes to a point in chapter 2 where, again, in his encounter with God, he realized, I've got to watch for God. I've got to wait for God, and I've got to let this message, this revelation that he's giving me about what is going to happen to us and what's going to happen in the world be engraved and inscribed and pierced in my life. Do we allow God's word to have that effect on us? Because notice in chapter 2, verse 4, what God said. Look, the one whose desires are not upright will faint from exhaustion. That describes our world today. You and I think about all the people who are striving and running after things, desires that they have, cravings and all of that, that are not from God. That are not upright, that are not righteous that do not end in bringing one closer to god and you think about how exhausted people are in chasing after the wind which is what solomon says in the book of ecclesiastes people who run after this and run after that even when they get it it sort of slipped through their fingers and it never was as fulfilling and satisfying as they thought it would be And they're just exhausted by the whole search after significance and fulfillment and satisfaction apart from God. But notice what God says. But the person of integrity will live because of his faithfulness or his faith that he places in me. By the way, the words faithfulness here in the Hebrew means firmness, steadiness by trusting in what God has said. See, God says, if you trust in my word, Habakkuk, and anyone else in the nation of Judah, you will be firm and steady in the midst of chaos. You'll be rock solid when everything else is teetering and shaking. And God has the same message for his people today. We can wrestle with God. God gets that. But at the end of the day, God says, I will allow you time to wrestle with me. But somewhere down the road, at that point, you've got to go from wrestling to, in a sense, resting in me. I'll give you time to wrestle with me. 
But you've got to come to a point where you're putting your faith and trust in me, my character, and what I have said, and you go from wrestling and worrying and anxiety and all of that to what you see going on around you and what may happen to resting in me. Because one of the messages that God has for the nation of Judah and for us today through the prophet Habakkuk is found in verse 13 of chapter 2. Where God says, be sure of this. The Lord who commands armies has decreed. The Lord of hosts, literally the Lord of all creation, for all creation is at the disposal of Almighty God. The nation's efforts will go up in smoke. Their exhausting work will be for nothing. For recognition of the Lord's sovereign majesty, literally weight of glory, will one day fill the earth just as the waters fill up the sea. See, God is saying to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, don't worry about the Babylonians. The the Babylonians are going to get theirs one day, and they're not even going to be a big deal anymore. Now, for Habakkuk, that would be like, no, God, I can't see that. They are the most powerful nation on earth. No one can stop them. Nothing can deter them. Whatever they want, man, they can get. And you're telling me one day, okay, I'll trust you. What have the Babylonians done in the last couple thousand years? Think it went the way God said it would, right? And what God is saying in chapter 2 is, nations are going to rise and fall. People come and go. But I am the Lord who commands army. And one day I'm telling you, Habakkuk, though you don't see it happening now, one day the entire earth is going to be filled with my glory through the kingdom of my son, Jesus Christ, as the water fills the oceans. Put your trust in that, Habakkuk. Not in what you see going on in the nations in the world today. Put your trust in me. Because here's what God says at the very end of chapter 2. I'm on the throne. Notice what he says. The Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is in his majestic palace. He is in his temple. Literally in the Hebrew, it means to prevail, to overcome. Habakkuk is being told by God, Habakkuk, I'm in control. I'm on my throne always. And you need to put your trust in that. Not in all the instability and and nations of the world and powers of the world and what's happening around you. You rest in me. I have always been in my majestic palace and I always will be in my majestic palace. And then he goes on to say the whole earth is speechless at his presence. The words mean to be silent, to be still. It reminds me of what the psalmist writes in Psalm 46, verse 10, when God says through him, stop striving, people, and recognize that I am God. Other Bible translations say, be still and know that I am God. Stop your twisting and turning and striving and getting all upset and and turning this way and that way and wrestling. Rest in me. I'm on the throne. I'm in control. And things are going to happen just as I say they will. Watch it, Habakkuk. Watch for it. So in chapter 1, he's wrestling. In chapter 2, 
He's watching. And because he watches, we come to chapter 3 where the prophet has been totally transformed by his encounter with the living God. He goes from a worrying, wrestling prophet to a prophet who now just wants to worship God. He does say in chapter 3, verse 2, Lord, remember what you did in times past. And at the very end of verse 2, notice what he says, when you cause turmoil, it literally means in the Hebrew, when you stir things up and shake things up, and if what you said is true, that you're going to unleash the Babylonians on us as a nation, and in a sense, we will not be much of a nation anymore, at least for a while, and many of us will go into exile into Babylon, and our lives are going to be turned upside down. He says, when that happens, God, show us mercy. Show us compassion, God. Because we have been an unfaithful people. Beginning in verse 3, God gives the prophet Habakkuk a vision of this divine warrior who is coming. And this vision that Habakkuk gets here in chapter 3, which actually takes the more of the chapter than anything else, is not so much seeing God working through the Babylonians to bring about uh, purification and purging and correction in the nation of Judah to bring them back. He's already dealt with that. What God wants to show Habakkuk here is what is going to happen one day when all the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God and when God finally comes and sets up his kingdom. So notice in verse 6, Habakkuk sees God take his battle position and shake the earth. It literally means that God finally stands up and rises up. And notice, with a mere look, he frightens the nations of the world. It literally reminds us again how fragile the world is, even though, you know, men and women in this world have so much pride, and they think, I can do what I want, and I can just thumb my nose at God, and I don't even think there is a God, and I'm going to live my life how I want to, you know, and I'm going to be in power, and I'm going to abuse people, and I'm going to kill people, and I'm going to do whatever I want. And Habakkuk sees a God who one day, just by looking at the world, he's literally going to unhinge everyone in the world, from the leaders, the most powerful leaders, all the way down to the tiniest individual. Because they're going to realize that what they had built their lives on, what they had lived for, what they thought was so strong and stable and would never end, was actually just fragile. It was like sand in their hand. And God alone, the one who is in control on the throne, is the only source of stability and security in the world in which we live. This picture of the divine warrior here was actually inspiration for part of the battle hymn of the Republic. When the author of that great song says, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, who is trampling out the vintage of the grapes of wrath they're stored. 
who has loosed his fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword, his truth goes marching on. The divine warrior who will come one day and put down all worldly rebellion and once and for all make things right in this broken, broken world. But before that comes, even in Habakkuk's day, he knows he's got to live through some stuff before that day comes. So he understands as he gets to the end of chapter 3 that I've got to rest and be settled in who God is and what he's revealed to me. Because I know in my own life and in the life of my own country, Judah, things are not going to get better from here on out. They're only going to get worse because God hasn't actually unleashed the Babylonians yet on us. But he knows it's coming. So notice his words beginning in verse 17 of chapter 3 of Habakkuk. He writes, when the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, when the olive trees do not produce and the fields yield no crops. Folks, when the Babylonians came through, they wiped out everything. And he sees it coming. When the sheep disappear from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls. He sees the dark days coming for the nation that's turned their backs on God. But notice what his worshipful response is. I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. The sovereign Lord is my source of strength. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. And folks, if we as Christians ever needed to grip, have a message grip us and and grasp a message from the word of God, it is these verses from the prophet Habakkuk today. Because whether we realize it or even want to acknowledge it or not, we are living in very challenging times. And this world is not all of a sudden the light bulb's going to come on and all the world leaders and people who are in power are going to get it. They're not. And the things that we see that just so bother us and churn us up, just like it did Habakkuk, we're going to continue to be confronted with. And there is no guarantee that things are going to get better. So we better, if anything, ground ourselves and root ourselves in God and in what God has said. And be able to get to a point in our own personal relationship with God where we can wrestle with God. But where we get to a point where regardless of what's going on around us and what happens, And even if things get worse, where we can say the same thing that Habakkuk says. And I want to look at this for the few moments we have left today. When Habakkuk says in verse 18, I will rejoice because of the Lord. The word rejoice there is a little bit different than the word we normally associate. We think of praise, but this word means to be exalted, to triumph, to rise above. And so what Habakkuk is really saying is this, I know the only way that I will rise above what's coming, 
The only way I will be able to navigate the difficult terrain that's coming in my life, the only way I will be able to triumph is because of you, Lord. You're the only way that I can triumph over this. You're the only victory. You're the only one that can enable me to rise above my circumstances. And notice in your Bible that the word Lord there should be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is the word Jehovah, the self-existing one, the one who needs no one or nothing else outside of himself. Everything else in creation is dependent upon God. God is not dependent on anyone. And we sang about Jehovah today because we sang a song with the word Yahweh. And the reason why the Jews adopted Yahweh is because for them, even to say the name Jehovah was such a holy word that they could not say Jehovah. So they used the word Yahweh instead. And what Habakkuk is reminding all the people of God down through the ages is this. If you and I want to rise above our circumstances, if we want to triumph, if we want to be settled and be exalted, the only way to do that is through the Lord Jehovah. Then he says, I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. Now, this word happy is the word that we would normally associate with rejoicing, praise, being glad. And so he says, I am going to rejoice and be glad and be happy because of the God who delivers me. This word God here is the word Elohim, which is the plural name for God. Just as we saw in the very first book of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, plural. God exists as one God revealed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We talked about this Tuesday night in Bible study, how the entire Trinity is for us and wants to help us. And here, Habakkuk is being reminded, the triune God that I believe in is the one who delivers me. The word deliver here has many different shades of meaning. It means he's my salvation, my rescue, my safety, my welfare, my prosperity, my victory. The only deliverance I will ever have is because of God, Habakkuk said. So again, though the fig tree might not bud, there might not be any grapes on the vines, no olives, no sheep, no cattle. I can be happy. Because my happiness and joy is in my God. And he's going, to, he's going to save me through what's coming. He's not going to, you know, take me out of it. He's so mighty. He's going to rescue, save, preserve, and give me victory through it. No wonder he's learned to be happy in God. Then in verse 19. The sovereign Lord, this is the Hebrew word Adonai. Notice how many different names for God Habakkuk is using here. From Jehovah in verse 18, Elohim in verse 18, now Adonai in verse 19. And Adonai simply means the king who rules over all. 
The sovereign Lord, he says, is my source of strength. My might. My ability. My efficiency. My wealth. In fact, in the Hebrew language, this word strength literally means he makes me an army. Because he is Adonai. He is the king of the universe who rules over all. When I wait for him and renew my strength in him, I can feel like an army with him. That's why young David, the shepherd boy, could go out on the battlefield and fight Goliath because he knew if God was going with him, he was an army with God. That's why the people of Israel should have been able to go into the promised land when they first got there and not been intimidated by the giants that were in the land. Why? Because God was with them. He's the king who rules over all. He was their source of strength. There's nothing they can't handle with God. And God wants us to know that as well. Is God your might, your ability, your efficiency? One of the shades of me here, God even makes us more efficient if we'll just do it his way and do it with him. We can get so much more done when we do it God's way and with God than we ever could apart from God. He's our source of strength. He's our wealth. And then in verse 19, Habakkuk says, he gives me the agility of a deer, literally the legs and feet of a deer. Why does Habakkuk say that? Because in the Middle East, if a deer sensed danger or an enemy or a predator or something, they would literally go as high as they could into the mountains. And once you get up into those rocky ridges and high places in those mountains, that terrain can be quite tricky. And yet the deer aren't afraid because they're very confident in their footing in the most high rugged places up there in the mountain and Habakkuk is saying follower of God follower of Jehovah Elohim Adonai get this picture in your mind when you and I follow God and we make him our daily companion He will give us literally the legs and feet of a deer and we can navigate and negotiate even the most rugged terrain because he's our stability. By the way, the word negotiate here in verse 19 literally means to be sure-footed, to be confident, to be stable. The deer had no fear of instability even in the highest places in the mountains that they would go to escape. Because they were sure-footed, confident, and stable. And God says, I want my own people to be that way. But that means they've got to find their stability and sure-footedness and confidence in me. Not in anyone or anything else. And God says through the prophet Habakkuk, that if you and I will follow God and make him our daily companion we can begin to negotiate even the most mountainous, most difficult to navigate terrain. And Habakkuk knew some rugged terrain was coming. And God wasn't going to keep me from it, but God was going to give me the legs and feet of a deer to be able to navigate it. And God says the same thing to his people today. So you'll notice here, in these two verses, we see that God is our salvation, which is 
way beyond just our salvation as far as our relationship with God. God is our salvation. God is our strength. God is our stability. But there's one more thing here we see. God is also our song. Because notice at the very end of Habakkuk, this prayer, this worship that Habakkuk was doing was always meant to be given to the song leader, to the worship leader, to the Nicole. And that she was to take this worship of God and make sure that they wrote music for it because he says he wants it to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Literally, I want this to be accompanied by music, by song. Because I want the people of God to know that not only is Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai, the king who rules over all, the king who is always on his throne, the king whose word can always be relied upon, is not just our salvation. He's not just our strength every day. He's not just our stability every day. He is to be our song every day. And we are to worship him. And we are to worship him. And learn to worship him. And grow to worship him. Not just when our circumstances are going just the way we want. We are to grow in our relationship with him. With That even after seasons of wrestling with him. And God gets it. He welcomes it. It's okay to wrestle with God. But that there comes a time where we stop wrestling and we start resting and watching for God and waiting on Him in His Word. Because that's the only way that we can get to chapter 3 in our own lives where we worship God and we worship Him even when the fig tree in our lives is not budding, even when there are no grapes on our vines, even when no olive trees are producing, even when no fields are yielding crops, even when there's no sheep in the pen and there's no cattle in the stalls, we can still cry out to God, God, I rejoice in you, the Lord. I will be happy in you because you are my salvation. You are the God who delivers. You, sovereign Lord, are the source of my strength. And you give me the agility of the deer to be able to negotiate even the most rugged terrain. This is the message of Habakkuk 3,000 some years ago to the people of God before the Babylonians swept over the nation of Judah. And their lives were never the same. And God is preparing his people today. He's saying, folks, here's what you need to keep your eye on. One day, my glory will fill this earth as the water fills the sea. But until that day comes, there's going to be rugged terrain to navigate. And unless you and I, as followers of God, are willing to make Him our salvation, our strength, our stability, and our song, we will never be able to navigate the terrain that's coming. But the things that will happen in this world will so disturb us and shake us that not only will our lives collapse under the pressure of it all, 
but we will not be able to encourage others because we're in such a bad place. God is saying to his people today, rise up and find all that you need in me. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even a book like Habakkuk written thousands and thousands of years ago has such relevance for us today living in the country of America, the United States of America under totally different conditions. But yet the message is still the same. And that message is that you want your people to get our eyes off of the circumstances of our life and the instability and corruption and cruelty that we see all around us. And to get our eyes squarely on you, the King who rules over all. And remember that even though this world is broken and falling apart and fragile, that God, you are always on your throne. And you are always in control. And everything that you have predicted in your word one day will come true, including the fact that your son, Jesus Christ, will one day rule and reign and his glory will fill this earth. God, may we put our trust and hope in your truth. And may we find in you our salvation, our strength, our stability, and our song, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.